Hello and welcome to the Real Life Business Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Markwick, a business coach and money mentor to the busy business mum looking to find more confidence, clarity and calm amid this crazy thing we call life. Now, once you're done listening here, be sure to head on over to my socials at clairemarquick.reignite and let me know what you've loved about this episode. But right now, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the final episode for season three of the Real Life Business Podcast. This week, I am delighted to be chatting with Georgina Ryan, a mum, a business owner, and a lawyer for a blend of real talk and pro tips on all the behind the scenes legal stuff that we should be thinking about when we go out on our own. So welcome, Georgina. Great to have you. Hi, Claire. Thank you very much. It's a privilege. We've been trying to tee this up for a while, haven't we? And we've had COVID and all sorts of things get in the way. So it's great to finally be sat here across the Zoom screen and um, and record this conversation. Oh, gosh, yes. I think um, I think there's a lot of us that have had COVID and it's um, it has been um, a difficult thing, I think, for everybody to kind of um, deal with and get around. Absolutely. Yeah. Navigate through and, yeah. yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Before we get, before we dig into um, all the things we've sort of planned to talk about today, or talked about talking about today, let's find out a little bit about you. Um, let us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to be doing what you are right now. Thank you. Um, look, I am a solicitor in private practice. I've been in private practice on my own here in Wagga for about four and a half years. Um, it's interesting because I never actually thought I would be a sole practitioner. Um, <laughs> it's not where I thought I was going to end up, but anyway, here I am. Um, I, I actually started out as a lawyer um, in Gundawindi on the New South Wales-Queensland border, um, and I was working for a very busy commercial practice there. It was wonderful it was the most wonderful training ground I worked for um, a partner who was very commercial very experienced very like on the ball it was I look back at it now and think oh my god we couldn't even just walk in that office we had to walk quickly because that was you know it was very <laughs> like high pressure just, you had to be <laughs> um but at the same time it was lots of fun like under windy at that point in time as a sort of mid-20s person, there was a lot of young professionals around. It was one of those towns where we just had, you know, work was hard, but we had the best social life and it was heaps and heaps of fun. Um, so I did that for about five years and then got itchy feet, as I think we all do about that time in our life, and decided to move to Sydney. So I took a role with what was the used to be known as the Primary Industry Bank of Australia, um, which is very much a rural agribusiness-focused bank. Um, it then became what's known as Rabobank now, so that's who I worked for. Um, while I was working with them, I met a boy from the southwest slopes and um, subsequently fell in love and moved to southern New South Wales, um, which is a long way from home. Um, mm. And so then we got married. Um, I worked in private practice for a couple of firms, one in Kutamundra, one here in Wagga, had babies. Um, 
And so I did the part-time baby slash toddler primary school thing, which, yeah. you know, that's that, long. That juggle. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know, it's lots of fun, but it's... Um, it is a full-on time of your life. There's no. Oh, it is. Yeah. I remember, it, and I've spoken about it in so many of these episodes. Like that, you, you just feel completely torn, don't you? Like on the one hand, you're you're in mum mode, and you've got a million things running through your head at home. But then at the same time, you're like, oh, I never sent that email to that client, and I haven't done that, and I've got to remember to do that next time I'm in the office. And then when you're in the office. It, you know, you, your head is in, you know, it's like, yes, I mean, back in professional adult world kind of thing. But then I'm like, oh, shit, I never got that out of the freezer. I didn't get that out for the baby. I didn't do this. I've got to go and get nappies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. It's just pulling you in so many directions, isn't it? I totally uh, yes. remember that. I, <laughs> I um, it was funny because I started the job in Wagga. I actually got offered the job in Wagga when I was pregnant. I was like six months pregnant and, um, decided to leave Kudu because my husband was working in Wagga and I thought it's just easier we're both travelling in the same direction because we actually live on a farm in between Kudamundra and yeah. um, Wagga. And um, so I took this job when I was pregnant. When the time came to get the job, um, Maeve was six months old and um, still very much being the breastfed baby. That child was nil by mouth except by boob. That was what we <laughs> used to and she, she was, knows what she wanted in life. Oh <laughs> wasn't going to have it any other way. <laughs> it was horrendous. So for that first like couple months at that job, I would drop her off to care, feed her, go to work. Lunch would be like sprinting back to daycare, feeding her, sprinting back to work, then sprinting to daycare at like five o'clock so I could feed her again because she was just she was horrendous. She would. Like, like just poor people in care and then my husband at that point in time he was working he sort of we did the juggle where we both worked part-time so he had a couple of days at home with her as well mm. and she was equally horrendous for him and my mother <laughs> and you go oh my god I don't know how I managed to do that but you do you, you do, do. yeah somewhere amongst all of that you get dressed in a suit and you see a professional lawyer and do all those those things yeah. um so, yeah, so I, I did that and then um, when both the girls started primary school, I was offered a job for something called Westchester, which is a very big um, agribusiness company. So this was an in-house role. It was kind of everything that I thought I'd always wanted mm-hmm. and I made that kind of classic mistake of thinking, well, once kids are at primary school, life becomes easy. <laughs> I could take a full-time job. It was meant to be a full-time job with flexibility, but, you know, that's fine. I'll be able to do that. And you you do these things and then you discover that, but, you know, primary school's not <laughs> easy. <Yep. laughs> 100%. Been there, yeah. done that too. <laughs> you know, it's just another whole juggle. And, um, but, I, you know, I persevered. Um, for a long time it was a, an amazing job like I got to work on the most amazing deals and made lots of connections and met lots of people but it was tough it was mm. doing that full-time work with kids and particularly given you know Illabo's 45 minutes out of town so there were times when I would 
leave work at three, run to Illabow, pick kids up, run them back into Wagga for sport, go back to the office and work until, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, sometimes 11 wow. o'clock at night trying to get stuff done. It's just insane. Wow. Um, so after a period of time, it, it really got to a point where it was conflicting. It was my version of flexibility and work's version of flexibility were two different things. Mm. And then eventually, eventually it got to the point where I was like, no, I just, I can't. Can't do this. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I left. I had a couple of months off a little bit of soul searching Mm -hmm. thinking Uh, now what am I gonna do (laughs) husband's like oh we can't really survive on one way do I need to do something (laughs) and um I spoke to a few of the law firms in Wagga and then after a little while I just went you know what I would like to just have a go at doing my own thing on my own terms practicing law the way I would like to do it and to be able to do it in such a manner where I'm just not answerable to someone else in terms of my time so I need to take time off to deal with kids stuff then I can do it without the guilt and the worry and all of that. Um, so I did that and I started up my own practice. Um, initially, realistically, it was part-time because we had one child at school in Wagga and one child at school um, in Illabow. So mm-hmm. there was still, you know, so much running yeah, around. Everywhere. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and you got kids in two different directions. Um so the first couple of years, and I had an office based in Bowman, so I had an interesting startup because I just found an office um, located in a transport company. It was a beautiful building, like absolutely beautiful building. People were like, oh, very weird. And I was like, well, it suits me because it's yep. closer to home and close to the school. Um, so, yeah, did started up doing that, made some mistakes along the way. <laughs> <laughs> As we all do. Isn't it it funny, like um, we spoke before, you know, I'm from an accounting background and I was talking to somebody, I think it was um, Natalie in last week's podcast, uh, also from an accounting background. And, and so yourself from a, from a legal background, all the, all the behind the scenes stuff we know, you know, accounting, finance, the legalities, all that sort of thing, you know, you consider it behind the scenes business skills sort of thing. Um, so even knowing all of that, that doesn't make us immune to making the mistakes that other people still make, does it? Yeah. Like we, we still do that because I think we're, I know for me, and I don't know if it was the same for you, you sort of switch off your professional head and you're in that excited entrepreneur space kind of thing. It's yeah. like, I'm working for myself now. This is great. And then, you know, you can kind of look down on yourself with hindsight and go, oh. <laughs> Oh, did I miss that? Whoops. <laughs> and here I am advising other people to do that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Exactly. Like I know um, you're right because when you start up, it is all about 
the front end of the business. And particularly if you, you know, I started from, from scratch because I had worked in-house um, and because I think for the seven years before that I had really worked part-time, mm. I didn't start a business with a huge client base. Like a lot of professionals who go out on their own, they go out on their own, they've got a bunch of clients that, that follow them. Yeah. And so you have this immediate startup bulk of work. I literally opened this office with not a single matter. <laughs> and um you sat there um, day one, it's like, okay. Okay, that's right. And I I open <laughs> I am by nature an introvert and sales is not a skill of mine at all. But I think when you when you do that, you you kind of you so focused and you want it to be a success. So you focus on that stuff. And so I very much focused on on that stuff. I focused on getting my website up. I focused on getting marketing material done. I sat at my desk and made myself cold call people. That was, you know, oh my God, that's so hard. It's really <laughs> yourself out there. um but I mean it's interesting because um it's amazing that I mean say I'm cold calling people I mean I'm I'm cold calling people with 20 years of experience so it's not like I'm cold calling people that have got no experience and there's connections um but still it's really scary so you you're cold calling people and and you're so focused on the front end that yeah the back end can very easily get left behind mm-hmm. and, and it can come back to bite you because you um you do that and it's and it's the boring stuff like putting policies in place and um you know service agreements and client agreements now as a lawyer there's some stuff that we have to do like we're forced to do client agreements because um the law society says we have to so therefore you do but i'm sure it'd be very easy to to not do that stuff mm-hmm. um and you know and as I said like policies and procedures you know things like um for us like client intake procedures and complaints procedures and work health and safety and all of those things that are a little bit boring <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> but when your business grows and you start to take on employees you need to have those policies and procedures in place and really the time you should be thinking about it is when you've got time to think about it because invariably you are hiring someone because you're really busy (laughs) yeah that's right you're getting busier and get the ground roll you know get the ball rolling straight away yeah 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 um so yeah they then become really important if you don't have policies for the way you do things or procedures for the way you do things um then how do you expect your staff to know about the way you do things or the way you want things to be done oh 100 percent. I, I see that so much from you know from the coaching perspective as obviously not from the legal perspective but you know um people talking about uh, trying to get employees to 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 do what they want them to do sort of thing and it's like well what do you want them to do and I was like well I don't know 
good customer service. I'm like, okay, what does that look like? Like we've now got to be able to document. We've now got to be able to articulate all our feelings that we sort of feel and we know intuitively or all the stuff that's in our head. We've got to get that out on paper, haven't we? And be able to document that and be able to then, as you say, have have a policy or a procedure in place that our team can follow because how can they they don't want to do the wrong thing. They don't want to piss us off as the boss, but at the same time, if we're not giving them any guidance, they're just left to their own devices. That's right. <laughs> yep. No, <laughs> so you, you mentioned, sorry, I'm totally just butting in and just my brain just went off on a tangent. You mentioned, you know, you had to have certain things in place because the law society says that you have to. How, do, how would someone else know like where it, you know, what they have to have in place and what's just a good practice to have in place? Like where do people start to understand that side of things? Look, I think the, in terms of that have to have in place, um, it can mean different things to different people, but I think having in, in terms of business risk, and it's really looking at business risk, um, having contracts in place with your key suppliers. Now, sometimes that's not necessarily something that you can dictate, but at least having trying to get in place those sorts of contracts that suit you. Mm. Um, and then on the other side of the coin, having contracts in place that with your customers. Um, and look, they don't necessarily have to be that complicated but um and it depends of course what your business does um a really good example i'm actually doing something for someone at the moment who they're in the process of buying um what is essentially a software business um and what's really important are the contacts with this business's customers um, now, this has been a bit of a build from home business, and it's now quite a valuable business. But because it's been a build from home business, um, the person who owns this business has has just gone out, they've found their customers, they've got a fairly loyal customer base, they've got a good business. But what they don't have in place are agreements with their customers. So mm. to then have someone who's coming along and looking at buying that business, it's like, well, you've got no commitments from your clients, so they could walk away tomorrow. Um, and so, and then I've got nothing, sort of. And thing. then I've got nothing. So, um, you know, you've having that in place, it does actually add tangible value to your business. And I think that's one thing that, you know, when people setting up a business it seems really expensive to go to a lawyer and put these things in place and you know it could it could cost you I mean depending on how complex your business is it could cost you anything from a couple of hundred to you know quite a few thousand dollars Mm. um even potentially tens of thousands of dollars to put those things into place but then if you look on the flip side like this example that I'm talking about at the moment it's a business that's valued in the, you know, over a million dollars. But the cost of not having this in place actually means the business is probably really only valued at about half of that. So, you know, that's 
That's like five hundred thousand dollars. That's, that's, that's significant. Huge. Yeah, <laughs> that's significant. <laughs> for really just you know a process whereby you go and see a lawyer, you get a basic kind of subscription agreement that binds those people into a couple, you know, three to five years, so that then you've got something tangible to mm. sell at the end of it. Um, and if things go wrong, you've got something to fall back on. Back on. Yeah. That, you know, that's the other really important thing about, um, so like service agreements with customers is um, where you are providing a service, making it very clear what is the service that I am providing, having you think yourself about, well, if it went wrong, where could it go wrong? And um, and then how do I protect myself against that? Um, and I guess um, from there, I think that probably sort of also leads into when you're setting up your business, having a really good think about what type of structure you're going to put your mm. business into. And this um, is another one that comes up um, a lot for me. Um, you know, it's a lot of questions that I get, you know, what's, what's better? Am I better being a, a sole trader? Am I better being a company? What's a trust? You know, what's a partnership? Yeah. And, and obviously my, my perspective always comes from the, the accounting, the finance, the tax side of things. So I'd be really curious to hear like your take on it from the, from the legal side of things. Um, yeah. Where, where do people start? Like where, where do we, how would we even know how to answer that question? Okay. I think the really important thing with that is there is no right answer. Like at the mm. end of the day, there's not a right and a wrong answer. It, it very much depends upon your personal circumstances at the time, um, what the type of business is that you're starting and where you think that business is going to go. Like what's yep. your five, ten-year time frame <clears throat> with that business? Um, and I think the best thing when you're doing that is to actually sort of get your accountant and your lawyer in the same room mm. and put it up on a whiteboard and kind of go, well, if I operate in a partnership, um, what are the strengths and weaknesses of, of doing that? If I'm going to be in a trust, what does that look like? I'm going to be in a company, what does that look like? And then really at the end of the day, it's probably a case of the one with the most ticks kind of wins, yeah. really. Yeah, um, yeah. Because as you say, you've got the tax that you've got to take into account, um, but then you've got the risk. So, you know, starting a business that selling shoes, for example, is a very different thing from starting a business that um, the client has a civil contracting business. So, you know, where you've got lots of employees with huge big work health and safety issues, um, that's, that looks very different as compared to, you know, starting a professional services business um, yeah. or any, you know, any kind of professional services, whether it's health or whatever. The risk profile of each of those and what you can insure against and what you can't insure against are all very different um, and I think too one thing we probably all need to realize these days insurance is something that's getting harder and harder it's getting more expensive and it's getting harder and harder um, and so I think 
people need to spend a bit more time thinking about the risks and how they're going to deal with those um, mm. because the concept of insurable risk, I think, is getting more difficult than it used to be. I think like those sorts of things, it, it was interesting that you said um, at the start of sort of this bit of the conversation, you know, made a few mistakes being, and, and I sort of led, led us down this, this track sort of thing. But it, it, it can almost feel, and I don't know, maybe this is just my perspective, but it can almost feel a little bit intimidating or a little bit scary to think about um, to think about risk, to think about potential conflicts or disputes and to think about um, the need to ensure ourselves against things going wrong. And so we can sometimes park that, can't we? Or we can sometimes put our head in the sand and go, oh, it'll be all right. It'll be yeah. fine. I'm only doing this or I'm only doing that. I don't need to worry about that. Um, but then that's that's when a few years down the track and we forget that we stuck our head in the sand at the start and then something comes up, we've grown. We've maybe gone, you know, we've got, we're offering bigger services now or something. And then something does come up and we've got nothing in place. Yeah. That, that's when we come to someone like you with it in an oh shit state, isn't it? And it's probably yeah. a lot more expensive and complicated to sort out than if we thought about it at the start. <laughs> oh, look, absolutely. You, I mean, at the end of the day, if you, if you don't want to spend a lot of money on lawyers, then money on lawyers up front because <laughs> getting money on lawyers down the track is is a nightmare it's, it's so expensive um and, and look I don't do litigation um at all but um in any space where you're getting into any sort of conflict um that just costs you so much more money um mm. you know things like employment agreements for example um you know, it's really important to have written employment agreements with your with your staff, um, even if they're casual staff, um, that set out the expectations, that, that set out, you know, what it is that their wage covers and doesn't cover um, because the cost of not getting it right mm-hmm. is just so much more expensive and we don't want to think about you know for example if we um if if we've started up say a sole trader like we'll follow the example of the retail store you were giving before um we're we're there we're the sole employee then we decide you know what i want my saturday mornings off and we bring someone in to do saturday mornings and then that person starts to help us with a bit of stock take through the week or or whatever it is and and we're friends with them and everything's going great but then, yeah, we, we don't want to think about a relationship going sour, but anything can happen, can't it? Yeah. And, and as you say, if we, don't have, if we don't have expectations written down, if we don't have, well, this is, this is what I expect of you, this is what your wage covers, if I ask you to do this, you'll be paid overtime or whatever it might be. Like if that's not written down, yeah. as boring and as kind of clinical as that sounds, like we, we, we could find ourselves in sticky water, can we? even with a family member or with a close friend or someone we know very well. And, and yeah, I'm sure there's been lots of examples of that. Happening. Yeah, and I think it's always that <clears throat> it's the curveballs and mm. the things around the corner that we just don't anticipate that lead us into trouble. Like, I mean, using the retail store, for example, um, you know, I know of someone who works, and I, my, I, I shudder every time she talks to me about it, but she works in a retail store and um, 
and the owner of the retail store has a bit of a contra thing going with her so she can, in lieu of getting paid, can take home stuff from the shop. Mm. And that's all, that's all great until that employee, you know, her husband wakes up one day and leaves her and she's got no money and all of a sudden she goes to a lawyer who says, well, you weren't paid for all that work so you can make a claim against mm. that person. And now she might go, well, that was a friend of mine, I wouldn't do it. But if you've got children to feed, you're going to do it. You got, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, I think that's the one big thing that, you know, I've learned over the years is that the most honourable of people can do dishonourable things when their back is against the wall and they need to look after their loved ones. Like, mm. you know, we will all do things that we don't think we would ever do. So, when we're in that survival mode, especially yeah. as you say, if, if yeah. we're, if, if we're a mum with kids to feed, um we will do whatever it takes and yeah as you say like in that example if they were entitled to five years worth of wages it comes to the point when when you can't feed your children when you are having the roof from over your heads potentially being threatened of being pulled away then you're going to do something that you wouldn't otherwise have done aren't you and yeah mm. yeah no look that's 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 exactly right and um and i think to um you know, where it becomes really, really important to have good um, documents in place is when you are going into business with somebody else. Yeah. That's probably the most critical spot, um, whether that person's another professional or whether it's a friend. Um, going into business with somebody else means that you really do need to sit down and have the difficult conversations, the, the what-ifs, you know, what if one of us gets divorced? What if one of us gets ill? What if what if one of our children get ill? Like that, mm. that's one thing like as a working mother um, that you really need to take into account. And I say working mother, and that sounds a bit sexist, but it is kind of the reality of life, isn't it, that, you know, we we tend to... <laughs> tend to be the ones that if when shit hits the fan, we're the ones that drop everything and go and pick up the pieces. Yeah. That's yeah. right. You know, whether it's booking doctor's appointments or... Yeah. All of that stuff seems to, seems to fall with us, you know. Um, teenagers... You know, teenagers come with, I've got teenage children now, so um, they come with their own complex set of circumstances. It's that whole, again, you think it gets easier and then it's it's just as difficult. It's just difficult in a different way. I, see, I was having that conversation with my um, sister-in-law over the weekend because um, her, so my nephews, are, they're younger than, than our kids and they're, you know, they're seven and five and sort of going, you know, going through that really like we hate each other stage and then we love each other and then we get up to mischief together and, um, you know, drive mum and dad crazy and lots of shouting and lots of noise. And she's like, oh, you know, it's all right. It's all right been there done that I said, but I will say <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't change just just the things that we deal with like are different but that's still pushing the boundaries that testing you know where how far can I push things <laughs> yeah 
it's the, it's the same thing. It's just different, different, you know, behaviors. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, it's the same thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it's, we, it's bigger, bigger kids, bigger problems, usually. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're coming into preteen with one of ours now. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, I can feel it coming. <laughs> the joy, um, the joy. Uh, I mean, yeah. in, in all of this, like we're not like uh, this isn't we're not talking about this in terms of a doom and gloom and, you know, don't ever think about going out in business with a friend or a family member or whoever and don't ever employ anyone because you just don't know what's around the corner. It's not about like inducing even more fear, is it? It's about let's have these upfront conversations. Let's let's talk about this stuff that's a bit confronting and is easy to stick our head in the sand and not think about. Let's talk about it now before it becomes a potential issue. It's not to say it ever will. You know, we might have relationships like that, that shop example that you were just saying, and they work perfectly fine and they part ways amicably at the time that's yep. right for them and there's never any issues. But at the same time, why leave it to chance when it could be, like you say, two, three, four, five hundred dollars at the outset that can just put a few documents in place for a very simple business and we're covered. Yeah, no, look, that that is exactly it because it is uh, it is a lot easier to talk about these things happening, whether it's, as I said, somebody falling ill, someone's family member falling ill, um, someone passing away, um, you know, even even having a baby when you thought your baby days were done. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things are like they're difficult conversations, but they're far less difficult to have than the conversation that you have when it happens and you didn't have the conversation up front. That's right. Good um, dealing with the shit after the shit's happened. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> let's, let's just put it really bluntly. <laughs> a lot more expensive, a lot more time-consuming, a lot more stressful yeah, than just dealing with it up front. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. <laughs> And what about um, what about sorry I keep I keep yeah. cutting in and cutting you off but all these questions keep coming in my head what about you spoke about you know you were going through some circumstances that might happen and we might need to think about and you talked about um you know what if we get sick or you know like I'm thinking what if we have an accident like how can we you know, how can we sort of protect our businesses uh, around that sort of thing like what are some of the things that we can put in place to kind of go well you know I am my business if something happens to me what happens like where what do we even need to what do we even need to think about in that space yeah look it's it's a different thing depending on whether you're in business for yourself or whether you're in business with um partner or multiple partners um when you're in business with yourself um what the type of things you really need to think about are things like um, insurance, obviously, um, whether that be illness, um, income protection insurance, that that type of insurance, um, but also things like um, powers of attorney. So a power of attorney is a document that you have that gives somebody else the ability to look after your affairs if you can't look after them for yourself. Now, generally speaking, we kind of think of that in the context of just our own personal property, but you can have a very specific power of attorney that gives somebody else the ability to 
look after your business affairs for you if you're not able to do so for a period of time. Mm. Um, now, it may well be that that power of attorney, it could be granted to, um, you know, your key employee if that's somebody that you trust or it could be granted to another professional or person that you know that you've had that conversation with um, that says, you know, if if I was to have an accident or be ill or one of my children were ill and I couldn't attend to my business for a period of three to six months, that person can step in and look after your business mm. for you. So you grant them a very specific power of attorney. And that do doesn't necessarily... That. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that doesn't necessarily mean you you can you hand over everything and they've got free reign to no. make decisions and fire and hire people and all that sort of stuff. It might be as simple as you know they're able to go to the bank and and deal with yeah. our banks or that you know they're right. able to deal with our Telstra account or whatever it might That's be. Right. You know they're an authorized person yeah. that can deal with some of the everyday stuff that comes yeah. up and the the biggest stuff we might still be able to deal with down the track but you know yes. some of that everyday stuff that in this yes. day and age it's like oh no I'm sorry you know you're not a nominated person on the account we can't yes. talk to you about this you know that's right yeah ah <laughs> uh, yes All even of- between husband and wife that can be frustrating yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah no that's exactly right you can you can put parameters around that so you know, that person can deal with bills and client matters up to you know, your business, $500,000, $10,000, whatever, whatever is appropriate to your business that enables them to do that for you. Um, so that's that's one thing often people don't think about, about mm. doing. Um, no, and that I- was something that... Um, um, for example, that so back in the back in the day, because I'm from the UK, and then I came over here um, traveling, and I didn't have a business at the time, but obviously there were still things, you know, still responsibilities and things like that. And um, I had one um, set up that my dad, you know, was my power of attorney, like while I was away. So yeah. like while I was away in another country traveling, you know, just if anything came up with my student loan or with my banking or with, yeah. with something, you know, he just had authority to deal with it if I couldn't be contacted or something yeah. like that. So it, it, it's not just something that solely um, we only need to think about if we've got a business as well, is it? That there might be circumstances where, we're going on an extended trip or something like that. And we've just need to make sure that our affairs are kind of in order and looked yeah. after. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, like, I've always had the view that having an enduring power of attorney in place for a young person is in some respects more important than even having a will in place because mm-hmm. if you don't, then it becomes very difficult for your loved ones to deal with your affairs if something happens to you. Um, but what I'm really getting at here, I guess, is you can have a, an, a, a person who's appointed as an enduring power of attorney in relation to your personal affairs, but it is possible, and this is what a lot of people don't realise, to have somebody appointed quite separately with a lot more restrictions in relation to your business's affairs. Now, sometimes they may be the same person, but sometimes they might not be. You know, for if I come back to my own business, now I'm a lawyer, Mm. um, I can't appoint my husband to be my power of attorney for my business affairs because he's not a lawyer. It has to be somebody else who's a lawyer because if I don't, 
law society just comes in and appoints someone. So, yep. again, your family members might not be the appropriate people, so that's why you have the two two separate things, one to deal with your personal affairs and one to, one to deal with the business. Yeah with your business affairs yeah and again that would be something it's not like that would be something that someone could come and talk to someone like yourself about isn't it like just to just to understand you know like this is where I'm at I'm assuming this is the case anyway you know (laughs) this is where I'm at this is my business this is how I operate it you know uh, what things could you recommend I think about that I haven't yet um, and then you can sort of guide people down the down the right path. It's not like it's a doom and gloom. If you haven't done it right from the get go, it's too late, and you're just going to have to sit there and wait for shit to hit the fan if it ever is. You know, we can always <laughs> make the decision to go. Okay, I'm time to pull my head out of the sand and sort this out. Yeah. Um, and the first step of that is coming yeah. to see someone like yourself. Yeah. No, that look, that's exactly right. And look, the reality is, is that um, <clears throat> it's also important when you do these things that. You do them and then you don't just sit and forget. They they should be part of a review. Now, whether that's every year you just pick them up and look at it and go, yeah, that still works and I'll put it away and don't think about it again, um, or whether it's every couple of years. But, um, you know, probably doing it at tax time is a really good idea. You, mm. you pick it up, you look at it, you go, yeah, that still works. It's still relevant. It's still doing its job. Yeah, stick it in the drawer. I mean, at the end of the day, with all of these things, you hope in many respects you're never going to have to look at them um, <clears throat> because they are really the what-ifs. But, um, but still, it's, yeah, just look at it, go, yep, that, that works for me. And then I think, um, <clears throat> you know, when it comes to going into business with somebody else, then then really it's a case of you need to sit down with that someone else and have those conversations with them and, and, and document that. So what happens if, yeah, one of us gets divorced, does that matter? Maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't matter. Um, what happens if, you know, one of us gets ill? What happens if we just decide I've had enough and I don't want to do this? Yeah. How do we, how do what what does that what we, session yeah. look like? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. What does that business succeed? I think out here in rural Australia, we talk about succession and succession planning very much in the context of farms. Mm. You know that, but it, it matters really to any business where you've got more than one business owner that succession. And it is things like okay, well, if one of us wants out, how are we going to to do that? Um, is it a case of, well, if one of us wants out, we just wind the business up? If one of us wants out, do we sell the business? Or if one of us wants out, the other person's got a right to buy it from us. Where we've got that in place, well, how do we work out how we're going to value the business? And, again, having those conversations when it's... um, theoretical is so mm. much better than having those conversations when it's in the moment in the moment because there's no emotion terribly, there <laughs> terribly in the moment you think it's worth a million and they think it's worth 500,000 
I think, you know, that ties us really nicely back to what you were saying around the, the, the business structure conversation as well, doesn't it? Like we, I was, I'm assuming we don't necessarily, we don't need to be the ones that have all of the answers to those no. questions. We just need to be prepared to have those questions in, you know, around a table with, with, uh, with our lawyer, with our accountant, with our financial planner, with our, you know, business partners and, and be all around the table together and, and use their knowledge, expertise, professionalism to help us answer those questions. It's not like we have to go, okay, well, you know, Google, how do I, how do I um, value a business? And, and we don't need to know those answers. We just oh. need to have those trusted professionals in our network to help us document That's those answers. Yeah, look, that, that's exactly right because your accountant will hopefully, you know, they will have dealt with retail shops and know how they get valued. They'll have dealt with land investments and know how they get valued or professional services or um, IT companies. They, you know, there's different ways of valuing all of those types of businesses and hopefully your accountant either will know what is appropriate or be able to point you in the direction of someone who does who does know that's the other thing too I think when you are working with another with a professional whether it be your lawyer or accountant or whomever it is um it's I think important to work with someone who understands it that they may not necessarily have all the answers Mm -hmm. and that they're prepared to say look I I actually don't know the answer to that, but let's let's find somebody who does. Yeah. Um, because I think if your professional thinks they know all the answers to anything, it's probably time to go and find someone else. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> 100% agree, 100% agree. And 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 this, like we, we've mentioned so many times, this area can be can be quite intimidating, can't it? So even if we've got um, a, a financial planner that we trust, an accountant that we trust, a lawyer that we trust, and we need to, we know deep down we need to bring in the other two sort of thing, um, an insurance broker, a business broker, whatever it might be, we can still go to that one person. So for yourself, we can still go to you and just say, look, I know I need to think about this. Who might you, re- who do you recommend that I speak to? And then, you know, it, it keeps, um it really helps to kind of take the um, trepidation out of um, bringing someone else into our business, doesn't it? Bring someone else into our inner circle if it's come from someone we already trust. And if your professional advisors can all work well together, then that's really good. Yeah. Um, and I think the other one that we've probably missed out when talking about that, sorry, I'm talking in here now, um, is your Banker, if you are a big enough business to have um, personal banking, um, then also having your banker be part of those conversations Mm. is really good too because the other thing is is you can sit down with your business partner and go, okay, well, look, this is going to happen. I'm going to buy you out and whatever until your banker puts their hand up and said, well, are you actually going to afford that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to need this or you're going to need that. So um, having that person there is really important. It's really important, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, there's been so much um, so much to think about and so many um, really, really important 
um, conversations we've had as part of this whole conversation. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. If if somebody if somebody is listening to this, going okay, guilty. I have been head in the sand. I need to start to think about some of this stuff. And they've resonated with you and what you've said in this episode. Where can they find you? How can they find out some more? Well, they can find me. I'm in Wagal, um, regional business lawyers. And then I think otherwise, look, if you're looking for a lawyer in general, just ask around. Um, find someone that you feel comfortable mm. to. Um, at the end of the day, you need to have an, an open and trusting relationship with the professional. Um, and there's there's plenty of good solicitors around. Um, and you just you know do your homework, have a meeting with them. If you don't like them, then you know, find go someone else. Have a meeting with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just talk to them. And find someone that resonates with you and who tries to understand mm. what your business is about and what's important to you. Because um, I think that's another thing. We can be guilty sometimes of sort of saying, well, you know, I'm a lawyer and so what's really important to me is risk management and so you have to do this this and this and this and sometimes some clients they might go you know what that's my risk tolerance is different to yours and I'm willing to just let that go that that side go and focus on this yeah 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 so you need to have a lawyer who's willing to understand the parameters perhaps um, yes. and let you make choices within rather than dictating, no, this is how you have to do it. I think, you know, to, to um, the biggest part of what I've taken away from this is if we are in business, form relationships with professionals we can trust. And then those professionals, are, if, if they're not the ones able to or qualified or experienced at helping us with that thing that we need help with at that time, they're going to be able to direct us to someone else. And I think that's, that's what I'm taking away from, from this. It's, it's important to have those relationships. It's important to have those conversations up front and um, to think about some of the things that Maybe we don't want to think about because we don't want them to happen, but let's be real and say think about them up front because it's going to be a lot cheaper and stress-free stress or less stressful yes. <laughs> than if yes. we keep our head in the sand. Oh, look, absolutely because, um, yeah, I have been involved in situations where, you know, you're, you're having to have people have, difficult conversations when they're already going through difficulty and that is so hard like I've I have done the deathbed wills in fact I've even I've even done it for a family member because they didn't have their wills in place and that was just horrendous it's the most horrendous thing I've done the let's have a conversation about um buying out your business with a guy who's got cancer and he died in the middle of it and that's just Mm. Oh, it's just awful. It's just so awful. Um, so, you know, and, and the conversations, I've got a few at the moment where trying to deal with business succession with somebody who's 
you know, where people have already started to experience dementia. Um, and, and those things, they are just so difficult. Like the families and people are already going through so much trauma. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to just lay a trauma on top of it. Um, so that, if I can really impress upon people, that's the real importance of having these conversations up front because you don't, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where if something did happen, because life happens, you know, yeah. life happens to us, um, we don't want to be putting more trauma on trauma. Yeah, right? or putting that, putting, having to put those decisions or that emphasis on, on our kids to make for us or our partners yeah. to make for us or our parents to make for us when they're already, like, as you say, going through the, the stress or the grief or whatever of what's happened happening to us. Um, you don't want to have to add that extra layer of actually what while she's lying there in that hospital bed fighting for her life, um, you actually need to now make this, this and this decision about her business because that wasn't dealt with yet. Yeah. Horrible, but at the oh, same time, it's, I don't. I don't necessarily. I don't want to. I don't want to end right there. But at the same time, I do because I think. I think it's the, the point you're making is that you know when we are in business, we do. We have got to take responsibility for these things. Like it's not all the fun stuff, is it? It's not all the Instagram posts and the reels yeah. of all the pretty stuff that we're doing. Like we've we've got to face this side of things as well, and that's part of the whole. Um, that's part of the whole emphasis of this podcast. Like it's, it's real life. There's other stuff that goes on as well that we have to have conversations about. We have to talk about and we have to normalise. So I think I think this has been incredibly valuable for that. And um, yeah, I would like just like to say if there's anyone listening who has got who has got questions, then um, I am I am confident that I will be able to fire them your way. <laughs> Maybe there's a part two. <laughs> Maybe there's a part two down the track to, oh, to address question and answer. That'd be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Georgina, thank you so much. I really appreciate, um, really appreciate your time um, and all your expertise and all your real stories that you've shared today. I really do, um, really do appreciate it. I'll put your contact links in the show notes to this episode as well. So um, if anyone has um, any specific questions or just wants to reach out, they'll be able to do that easily. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. What an awesome conversation. Thank you so much again to Georgina and a great way to wrap up season three of the show. As I said toward the end of that episode anyway, I think wrapping things up in a neat little bow around that conversation is really the importance of keeping our head out of the sand and having some of those open, honest and confronting conversations up front with ourselves and with any business partners, significant others and professionals to make sure that we've got in place the things that we need to have in place that are going to take away any potential stress and expense down the track should anything go wrong. You know, none of us go into business with the intent for things to go wrong, but at the same time, we'd be pretty naive to think that there's no chance of anything ever going wrong. So um, I loved Georgina's advice about just having key documents in place. And as we said through that conversation, we don't necessarily need to know what those key documents are. That is that is a lawyer's job. That is an accountant's job. That's a financial planner's job. That's a banker's job. That's a business broker's job. Our job as the business owner is to take responsibility to seek out some of these professionals and ask the question of what we need to do 
and trust their advice. Uh, I, I loved how um, Georgina was saying, find someone who we trust, find someone who is on our wavelength, find someone who who we value the advice of and feel aligned to. We don't have to see a certain professional just because they're the one in our town. You know, so much of um, so much of this stuff can be done online nowadays. And I think it's really, really important to find someone that we trust and someone that we have a relationship with because that's going to mean that we are more likely to ask questions upfront, be proactive rather than sticking our head in the sand, worrying about how much it's going to cost to ask that question, thinking that things aren't going to happen. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a great way to end season three. I think really taking responsibility for the business that we're creating for the lifestyle that we're creating and putting things in place to protect ourselves should anything go awry. Not that we hope that it will. So as I said, uh, as I said, at the end of that episode, all of Georgina's contact details will be in the show notes to this episode. So if you've particularly resonated with her and her story and what she had to say, then she will be easily contactable via the links in the show notes. Alrighty, I am going to be taking a few weeks off, but I will be back in your ears very soon. Until then, bye-bye. You have been listening to the Real Life Business Podcast with me, Claire Marquick, bringing confidence, clarity, and calm to the busy mum in business. Thank you so much for lending me your ears. It is much appreciated and I love to connect with you. I love to hear what you think and what you take away from these conversations. So what would be awesome for you to do right now is take a screenshot of wherever you are listening to this episode from and share it to your Instagram stories, tagging me at claremarkwick.reignite. And let's share this real life business message. Let's share this message that we can have the business that we want, the lifestyle that we want, and it doesn't have to drive us crazy in the process. I will be back in your ears really soon. And until then, bye-bye.